appreciate everybody being here tonight. I know it's hard to get here. Um, I think that's the influence of the enemy. I think people don't realize how important it is. I think people are just tossed about by every wind of doctrine like children in the faith. That's a Bible verse. Um, we got a lot to do. But here's the thing. It won't mean anything unless you're ready. So, honestly, take like 30 seconds. Check yourself. Stop worrying about stuff. Stop wor like thinking about anything else. We're here now. We were led here. We're gathered here. Focus on here. Focus on what the Lord has for us. So yeah, that's the thing. It's like, what is that? Second Corinthians five, seventeen, twelve. I'm an ambassador, or like us, we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ, or something. I'm talking about five, sixteen, twenty-one, seven Corinthians. Sixteen through twenty-one is like eight verses. That's five verses. Math major. It's the last three. I think it's like eighteen through twenty-one. If I was right with five seventeen, I'm I'm gonna be. It's not so. Oh. Uh, what did he say? He said 18 through 21. Of what chapter? It's 20 and 21. For a five? Mm -hmm. Read it. Second, uh, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. That's fine. Okay. So we implore you on behalf of Christ. So what's he saying right there? He's kind of speaking for God. And so you're like, what's an ambassador? An ambassador is an official outside of the home country that speaks for the king. And so if we are ambassadors of Christ, and you'd be a little bit bold and just say that, like, I am going to try to speak for God. I am called to speak for God. I am called to, to be his ambassador. So what? Like, you're upset about that, that, like, some kid is trying to say he speaks for God? Fine, be upset about it. Um, anyway... We got a whole bunch of people in, uh, uh, let's pray. Mm -hmm. Let's pray real quick, and we'll get into it. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for your spirit. I just that you bless my words, uh, this teaching, everything that you have for us. Um, I pray that it's not me who speaks, but you who speak through me. Exactly, I want I want exactly what you want done tonight. Nothing more, nothing less. Strip away every agenda except for yours. Raise the expectation of the room and cast out any spirit that's not yours. In the name of Jesus, by whom we have the spirit, amen. So, I wrote a question on the board. Does somebody want to read that for me? Top left. What is what is Christianity? What is Christianity? Because it seems to me that we have a lot of people going to a lot of places on Sunday mornings doing something, but I don't know. It doesn't really look a lot like the Bible. So, I split this into two categories for a little bit of simplicity's sake. Uh, Christianity is not, and Christianity is. We got a lot of ground. Let's get... Rolling. Christianity is not a spectator sport. James, 122. But be doers of the word, word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. 
Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I'm so glad you came here, but if all you do is come to a Bible study and hear some of the word of God, that's against the word of God. So that's fun. I did want to say, Christianity is not a spectator sport. Um, sports ball fans. Right, so there are like sports that are cool to watch and sports that are not cool to watch. Um, sports that are cool to watch are the ones that are the most dangerous. Colin, what's your favorite sport? Football. Football. Do you play football? No. Do you just watch it? Yes. Oh, is you with that? That's a spectator sport? Yes. All right. Well, they're just they're people who don't really sports. So. I appreciate it, actually. You're welcome. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3.5. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. Having an appearance of godliness, but denying of its power, avoid such people. Have nothing to do with such people. Don't hang out with them. If I don't hang out with you, ask yourself why. Appearance of godliness. Is there some form of piety in your life that you're like, oh yeah, I say my prayers, I do a morning devotional. Those things can be good, but I ask, like, ask yourself, do you have a form of godliness? Do you deny its power? Because if you deny the power of the Spirit, if you deny the power of God, that's like, that's end times prophecy. So, low key, you became a sign of the end times. So that's cool. Ephesians 5.16. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. That's two in a row for you. Extra points. It's just nobody else had it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I appreciate it. Making the best use of your time for the days are evil. That word, that, like, that verse never made sense to me. Honestly, it's probably because I don't speak Greek. And the Bible was written in Greek. So, the word for evil is poneros. It means what? Some of the Bible was written in Greek. Well, yeah. This part of the Bible was written in Greek. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, actually, if you count the Septuagint. The whole Bible has been written in Greek. The whole Bible's been written in English, too, bud. Whatever. So, poneros means filled with trials it's not really like evil it's just like conducive towards things that'll block your path <coughs> making the best use of your time do you make the best use of your time are your priorities God's priorities and if they're not are you really following him sorry can you hear that voice again sorry it's really short it was time out. I'm sorry <coughs> Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The days are evil. <coughs> I don't know. Like, that verse just, like, confuses me. Until, like, you actually understand that, like, the days are filled with trials and things that are designed to hold you back from the enemy. Well, that's why I wanted to hurt again, like, after And then once you understand that, make the best use of your time and get to Bible study, even though it seems like an inconvenience. Yes, John? Can you explain the verse with, like, your definition of the P word? Like, like, read it with, like, that definition so I can hear it that way. Making the best use of your time because the days are filled with things designed to hold you back. If that works, 
Are we cool with that? Yeah. Is that helpful? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I'm serious. Like, sincerely, that's excellent. <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. That's why like, I'm trying to be explicit. Uh, First John 3.18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. Are thoughts and prayers enough? No. Ooh. You know what? The prayer of a, of a righteous man is powerful and effective indeed. Maybe prayer is enough sometimes. But if you're just going to like, oh, I'll pray for you. My thoughts are with you. What is that? Let us not love one another in word, but in deed. Are we cool with that? It's not a spectator sport, Acts 10 And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So, Jesus had the Spirit. Agree, disagree? Agree. Agree. Excellent. So we don't have to have that debate. What did he do with it? What are you doing with it? Are you running around healing and doing good or like freeing people up who are oppressed by the enemy? Are you just like, oh, you know what? Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. That's so good. It gives me like warm fuzzies every time I hear oceans and Kalo. <laughs> that's not the pattern of Christ. And I hate to tell you, that's not really Christianity. Because Christianity, Christians, means those who act like Christ. It's literally like little Christ. Like, oh, you guys are like little Jesuses walking around. That's the point. If you're not doing what he's doing, like, what are you, what are you doing? We need a good t-shirt. It would be. John 15, 4. <laughs> Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. If you are not bearing the fruit of the Father, are you abiding in the Father? Read the verse and answer the question. That's a yes or no thing. If you are not bearing the fruit of the Father, are you abiding in the Father? No. No. What's up, Kai? Fifteen four. John fifteen four. Just fifteen four. Um, so the word abide is really important. I'm gonna go to like the actual translation of the Greek word for it, but I think the English word for it. Like the definition, one of the definitions of how this works is the word abide. Nobody uses the word abide in English, that doesn't really help you. Uh, but there's one I like within this Greek. Are you using Thayer's? Huh? Are you using Thayer's lexicon? I don't know. Okay. Um, so when it's in, I'm using whatever the DLB has in the literal, just like outline of biblical usage. They usually use Thayer's. I'm just <laughs> I don't know. So when it refers to like being in the state of something or like abiding in a condition of something, um, it uses like to remain as one, to not become different or another. To not become different or another. But then the actual, like what we use in English to mean abide, I don't know, is it up? To accept or act in accordance with, um, or to be able to, to be unable to 
remarkably similar. Where like confess doesn't mean like just say it like, oh no, I did something bad, but like actually set your mind to be one with God on the issue or with whoever on the issue. I do have something to confess, actually. Uh, I forgot my ring tonight. I was just thinking about that. I'm gonna get a new husband. <laughs> <laughs> Confession is to speak on a topic the same way God would. Yes, to confess would be like, I did this, like this thing happened and it shouldn't have happened. This is why it shouldn't have happened, and here's what's next. Right, twenty seconds or less. Really quickly, I think that's why we view confession in such a poor way, and it's like the cyclical nature of Christianity, where we're just stuck in the same sin because confession doesn't mean what confession means in the Greek. Right on, First John two six. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. So, that's the abiding word. Yeah, like remain and abide. So I just, I just, the Bible, whatever. <laughs> First Peter 2.21. I'm just kidding, dude. I don't know what you meant. I don't know. <laughs> for to this you have been called because Jesus also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Follow in whose steps? Jesus' Jesus. steps. What did Jesus do with the Spirit? He just ran around healing, preaching, teaching, freeing people up, oppressed by various demons, spirits, enemies, whatever. So, like, he died so that we could do the same thing. Christianity is not a spectator sport. You don't just go to church and learn about the Bible and accept Jesus into your heart. That's not it! Luke 6, 46-49. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the flood water, When the flood waters rise and break against that house... It stands firm because it is well built, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will co- collapse into a heap of ruins. When the flood waters rise, what happens to you? What happens to your house? You stand firm or not? It's easier to stand firm when things are going good. Are we like? Are we cool with this category? Questions, comments, concerns. Christianity is not a spectator sport. All right. So this is a very like like harsh set of verses, and so it raises a lot of questions about the way Christianity is practiced. And and to be <coughs> a little bit blunt, if we can use the scriptures of a religion to discount the practices practiced at large by that religion how faithful is religion to the scriptures so so like here's the thing here's the thing here's the thing i'm not doing all this to like come against the church establishment and be like we're gonna do a new thing it's like this is all new like um a new denomination or whatever like that's not my goal here uh these are just scriptures 
So if you're like offended that I'm trying to do something new by just bringing up these scriptures, that probably speaks more to your religion than it does about me. I'm I'm trying to bring back old things, things that were written a long time ago. This isn't new. This is this is old. Are we cool with that? Yeah. All right. Now, if it means everybody's wrong, it means everybody's wrong. I don't have a problem. Isn't that how it's been going for a while, though? Everybody in every generation thinks everything's going to hell in a handbasket. the idea of slow change so like a hundred years ago people didn't have iPhones and cars and stuff and like we have no idea how they lived I mean, it's just it's hard for us to imagine that people live a hundred years old <coughs> and they've been around that long and like they've seen that change but we just have no clue and it's pretty much true for everybody but it happens so <coughs> we've, we've, we've settled Christianity's not a spectator sport so then the question is, what is Christianity? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I have three adjectives and then scriptures to back them up. So, next one, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What was the cross? It was a tool of Roman execution. What did it mean to take up your cross? To accept your death sentence. The cross is not like, like some big burden to bear. Like obviously it is, but like more than that, like you're just you're executed. Like take up your cross is to begin the execution process where everybody like laughs and makes fun of you and throws tomatoes and like that whole thing, and then beats you and then ties you up and then you die of asphyxiation. Doesn't matter. We don't read that though. We have no idea what that means. Just saying. Next one. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Ooh. What do you got? Right, I was going to say that. Okay, Can I, I say just, that? I was waiting on you to talk, that's why I didn't raise my hand. I was just going to talk. stared at me, so... Well, it's because you went like that. I didn't know if you were just doing that, if you were just doing like that. <laughs> so... Fuck <laughs> me. Um, the gospel is exclusive. 
We don't like that, but it is. Whoever does not take up their cross is not worthy of me. But the thing is, the gospel is only exclusive based on your commitment to the gospel. Based on your willingness to accept a death sentence is the exclusivity of the gospel. It has nothing to do with how much you work, how much you earn, what you look like. Only your commitment. Are we okay with that? So if you do not take up your cross, you are not worthy of Jesus Christ. Are we okay that I said that? Sorry, it's just kind of, I guess, a side note. Um, my, like, criminal justice professor actually, like, gave us an article about, like, like the process of, like, like dying on the cross and, like, everything, like, they go through. And if, like, anybody wants to read it, like, it is pretty interesting. Like, it's obviously graphic because, like, it is a graphic experience. But if you want to read it, just like, yeah, I'll send it to you because I think it's pretty cool. Sorry. You think it's pretty cool? Not cool, but like it's interesting because like. Oh, oh, oh. Nine, fifty-nine, sixty. <laughs> I mean, kind of though. <laughs> Just like having that knowledge. Um, he said to another person, "Come, follow me." The man agreed, but he said, "Lord, first let me return home and bury my father." But God, but Jesus told him, "Let the spiritually dead." Is that NLT? Yeah. I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about, like, the little parentheses spiritually. It wasn't in parentheses. I'm not sure about the addition of spiritually. I feel like that's pulling too much meaning out of the text. That's just what my Bible was currently. <laughs> um, to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom. Let the dead bury the dead, and that's for you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So here's the thing, and like in in the funeral, that's when he receives the inheritance. So in the burial of the fathers to then receive the mantle of patriarch over the family. Are we okay with that? So like this was like a big deal in his life. Very patriarchal society. To be the patriarch of a family was a big deal. A big deal. Are we cool with that? He wanted to follow Jesus. But he said, first, I got some things I got to get in order. Well, what did Jesus say? <coughs> no, proclaim the gospel. If you feel like you cannot proclaim the gospel until you get things in order, you are wrong. Just proclaim the gospel. Stop waiting. Stop making excuses. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Can you say that? Can you say that? Can you say it is not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me? I can If you can't, why not? Well, because you haven't died yet. It's like it's a pretty simple linear explanation. Logic. Are we cool with that? Yeah. <laughs> Luke 14, 28 through 33. 
for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 men to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be unsettled. Any one of you who does not renounce all that he is cannot be my disciple. Any one of you that does not renounce all that he is cannot be my disciple. There are, like, there are a lot of things Jesus left up to interpretation, but the cost of the gospel was honestly not one of them. Count the cost. What is the cost? You're everything. Cool? Cool. Last one. Is that the last one? Yeah, last one. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I just want to throw that in there. I just thought it was fun. Um, Christianity is constant. Uh, another word used is steadfast. I'm like, think steadfast. I don't really know what that means. Nobody talks like that. Unwavering is another synonym. My wife has two English degrees. I'm good at synonyms. Luke 9.23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Take up his cross daily. Daily. How often? Daily. Once daily. a week. First <laughs> Corinthians 15, 56 through 58. Did you know First Corinthians 15 had that many verses? Probably not. <laughs> it's it's honestly it's a wild chapter of First Corinthians. It's like a lot of just like weird stuff that preachers won't preach. So go read it. It's interesting. <coughs> the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In the Lord your labor is not in vain. So here's the thing. I just wanted the last verse, but there was a therefore, and when there's a therefore, ask what it's there for. <laughs> the death of Jesus be steadfast. Cool? Galatians 5.1 for, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Christ has set us free from what? From sin. Are we cool with that? Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. If you're under the yoke of sin, well, it's okay because Jesus can set you free. Just don't submit to it again. You submit to God. What's up? So you wanted to say this when you told me you were going to use constant as one of them, and I was trying to figure out when and where. So I'm just going to say it. Hopefully it, you, we understand how it ties to like freedom and yoking yourself and then you over to it and just drop it. But constant, like, yes, that's a time word, but, like, that idea of steadfast and unwavering also, I think the word kind of, like, on my heart, especially for this group, means not compartmentalizing. So, like, yes, constant all the time, but also in all situations and within all things all the time. So all yokes of slavery, all things of freedom. 
is a theme that Christianity costs your life and then requires your commitment. Are we cool with that? I got one C, which is a letter of the yes. English alphabet. <laughs> yes. Yes. There are a lot of mumbles. I'm fine. I just like it's just Galatians five one. Seek the Lord in His presence. Seek His presence continually. Seek His presence continually. Are we okay with that? Like commitment is continual. <coughs> cool. First Chronicles sixteen eleven. Old Testament. What's up? I'm just kidding. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. So, uh, what a lot of people like don't realize is that the New Testament, like they were informed and given context by the Old Testament. So, again, the language is pretty similar. <laughs> I'm saying he might have been thinking of this when he wrote that. You sure? Maybe. <laughs> Acts 2, 42-47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling the possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And the Lord is not adding day by day. Why not? How devoted are you to the apostles' teaching? How devoted are you to the things that you hear? The scriptures that are brought up, do you devote yourself to them or not? Do you devote yourself to each other or not? This is like literally a snapshot of the early church in Acts. In Acts, they changed the world. Now, we're just driving people away from God. Big difference. Christianity is holy. That's a word. We don't know what it means. It just means weird but reverently. So it's different. It's absolutely just alien to us. It's set apart from our way of thinking. There is a different system that God operates by, and it's not ours. Christianity is holy because of this. Are we okay with that? Yeah. Romans 6.4 We were buried therefore with him We were buried therefore with him by baptism of, into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father we too might walk in newness of life. Newness of life! So like, okay. Not a spectator sport. We might be doing it wrong. That's okay. God forgives Christianity costs your entire life. Christianity requires your commitment. This isn't fun to read. I get it. This is really fun to read. Because he died, we are given newness of life. Everything about your old life that was kind of worthless, that you didn't really like, that you wanted to give up, but you really couldn't, you don't even have to worry about it. Because it's like, oh, I got an old car, but if I had a new starter, then it'd be okay. Well, no, we have a new car. It's okay. It's better. It's cooler. Right? 1 Peter 5, 8-11 through 11. 
be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. If you suffer for just a little while, the Lord will confirm, strengthen, establish, establish, and confirm you. Yeah. I switched the order. I don't care. That is a good thing. Like, who doesn't want to be established and confirmed by the creator of heaven and earth? By the one who brought Christ back from the dead. By the one who sent his spirit to the world to undo the works of the devil. Those who are deceived. Thank you, Tyler. First John 4 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Why? Because Jesus died so that could be. Who doesn't want to be greater than the one in the world? When the storms come, they will not overcome you. Do you not want that? That's why Christianity is holy. That's why it's different. Next one. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. So I don't really care who knows me. I don't really care how relatable I am. I don't really care what kind of a name I have. And I have a scripture to back that up, so fight me. But... <laughs> The point is that the love of God is so extreme that he is willing to adopt you. So you are made children of the Lord Most High. Praise God. Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When did God show his love for us? When we prayed the prayer. No. It was not when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart that God showed his love for you. His love was made manifest at the cross when he descended into a man and died a humiliating death for you. Christ loved you. God loved you while you were yet a sinner. While you were chasing every awful thing that will just leave you empty, tired, and broken, God still loved you. He died to bring you out of that and make you a child. <coughs> Praise God. The classic. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave the one and only son. What translation is that? I think it's an ID. Shall I continue? Yeah. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his son so that you may have eternal life. Everlasting. Eternal is the version I'm going to use. You may have eternal life. And so then like the question that you all should be asking is, well, Luke, that's cool. But like, what is eternal life? Am I just going to fly around heaven forever with a heart? Actually, the Bible has an answer. Wow. John 17, 3. 
And this is eternal life, that you know you, and only the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Which English was that? ESV. It's pretty true to the grammar of the Greek, but Greek grammar is confusing. My bad. <laughs> I read yeah. it. It's okay. my crack screen, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that they know you. It's Jesus speaking to God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And this is well, eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Okay. This is eternal life to know God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. It is yeah, Jesus it talking, is, though. Yeah. yeah. But he's his okay. father. So he's yeah, like talking it is Jesus to God. To God. Yeah. That's, that was my question. So they Jesus is speaking yes. to God. Mm-hmm. So John 17 is like this giant prayer of Jesus. Yeah, it's pretty massive. Uh, so it's also like John 17 starts off, after saying these things, Jesus prayed. So then you're like, saying what things? It's like four chapters. So just saying, like, you're going to have to read five chapters before you get an actual picture. Jesus, God sent and gave his son to give us eternal life. What is eternal life? To know God and Jesus whom he sent. Cool? Romans 8, 35-39. Not everybody at once. Like, slow down and take some time. I'll do it. <laughs> Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword... As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is trying to make what separates us from the love of God? Nothing. No. Nothing. Even sin, the very thing he could not be around, cannot separate us from God because of the death of Christ. And in this, we are more than a conqueror. You have not just conquered this earth, but you are the inheritor. That's that's what Christianity is. That's why it's so holy. That's why it's so different. That's why it's so unlike anything that we even think of our belief system as. Like, this thing is so much more extreme, so much more different than we have any concept of. Because those who actually treat it like it's written are very few and very far between. My question, honestly, is what would it look like if we just actually believed the scriptures we hold so fast? We're so ready to just be like, do you have scripture for that? Or, this is my favorite Bible verse, I live by this verse. What about the entire Bible? Do you actually want to believe the Bible? Do you actually want to Hold fast. Be steadfast in the scriptures. Passed down for a thousand generations. Do you want to be anything like Paul? 
probably not before he was a Christian, but afterwards, like, yeah. Paul was more than a conqueror. Paul was an anointed son of the Lord Most High. Why? Because he was committed, nothing else. If there was anybody who shouldn't have been allowed to be a Christian, it was probably Paul. But he was, and he did a thing, and he wrote most of the New Testament. Mark 11.24 Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and I will, and it will be yours. That's a little wild. So this is just after, like, a day earlier, Jesus, uh, he tried to eat from a fig tree that was out of season, and there were no figs, and so he cursed the tree. And they just kind of went on, and the disciples were like, okay, like, that's kind of whatever though, like we already sold everything and followed this guy for a few years, so I guess we're kind of stuck with him now. And they came back the next day. I don't know, that's just what I picture them saying. They came back the next day and they were like, look teacher, the tree has died. And he just kind of like yeah. yeah. What did I say? Yeah. Why are you surprised? What's what is it? Anything you have, anything you ask for in prayer, Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. It's like, isn't that right after the mountain verse? Like, it's the fig yeah. trees and the, like, you can tell the mountain to jump into the ocean verse and then that. Yep. Yep. Have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. What if we just acted like that was true? What's up? I have one in reverse. Okay. Alright, I just mm-hmm. wanted to inform your decision. Didn't change my decision. Okay. Uh, I remember why I, I remember wanting to bring up the event versus right before it. Um, it can't just be like believe and not doubt that it'll happen. It has to also be believe and not doubt that it's in God's will. Because like that's when prayer is righteous and effective and happens. Somebody read the next verse. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Spoiler alert. That's the thing. If you pray anything according to God's will, he hears you. And if anything you ask in prayer, you believe in your heart that you've received it, you shall have it. What if you just believed that God worked that way? What if you just believed that your faith worked that way? What if you just believed all of these things that people have been trying to tell you were just actually true? Like God has been like screaming at you from a distance, but we're so closed off, we can't even hear him because he says something so simple. We're just like, that's not real. Or that was for those times. The Old Testament ended. I'm okay with that. The end of the New Testament is the end of the entire planet in existence as we know it. So, I'm going to ask a question. It's not a trick question. Are we still existing? Yeah. Is the earth still existing? Yeah. Oh, no. Sorry. The lizard people. What are you talking about? right now or in the future? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Has the world ended yet? Has it been redeemed? Has the second coming happened? Whatever your eschatological beliefs are, whatever whatever you believe about the end times, has that been to completion yet? No. That's the end of the New Testament. The end of brother. Right, but it's not here yet. That's the point. I don't care how close it is. Because honestly, we're still living in the New Testament. We're still living under the New Covenant. That's what he said. He's like, oh, I die, so you can have the New Covenant. Like, awesome. Praise God. When have we had a covenant since then? We haven't. We're still living under the new one because it was new, better, and it'll last until all time. What if we just lived like we're actually in the New Testament? Like we're actually just of the same faith. Like we actually just believe the things that God has for us. If you did, you would be a Christian. That's what Christianity is. That's what being a Christian means. And it's about time we had people walking around as Christian that were not ignorant, that were not hypocritical, that did not push people away from God. It's about time we had people who said they were Christians that were actually the image of the Father. That is Christianity. And if you are not on that vein, you are, you're doing something else. You're doing your own thing. It's fine, but get right with God and fix it, and then you'll have eternal life. <coughs> it's like it's, <laughs> You're like, oh, is it that easy? Yes, it honestly is. Okay, I, I got to go there. Let me find it. So, um, Peter was an idiot. And so, uh, on the day of Pentecost, <laughs> rushing wind, everybody's filled with the Spirit. They're talking to each other. Like, there's, like, some weird, like, translational thing where, like, I speak in Arabic and then you hear me in, like, Greek or whatever. It's like, whoa, like, God's all-powerful. And then Peter stands up and everybody's like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> So Peter gives this like <sighs> He gives this ultra intense sermon about uh, at, at Babel that God disinherited all the nations except for Israel. And then with the coming of the Spirit, he reinherited back to himself all kinds of people. Like we're all gathered back to be sons of God again. That's the new covenant. Peter gave this like super intense sermon. And so in Acts 2, 47, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, the rest of the apostles, like this was like intense. And they were like, brothers, what shall we do? Is uh, the answer. It's like, what, what do we do though? And like, so they were, they were sliced to the heart. They were convicted. They understood something that in their belief system was wrong and not in line with the truth that they just heard. And so they're like, well, what do we do? And Peter said to them, he's like, well, I have an answer for you. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this is the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, 
everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. What do we do now? Repent and be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit, and then live for God. 